Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. It comes back down to the this idea we look at again global global work specifically from that relief space the rehabilitation to development at the end of the day instead of moving something from point a to point b what if that can already be built in and present in a specific space in a community that a family has the opportunity to one learn and grow in their skills in the ways that that can support them not only from a personal perspective but even from an income perspective later on but also meet the immediate need that there is from their family and so one of the biggest things that we've been able to do in the midst of the pandemic has been able to, to, to train and to teach and to provide opportunities for folks to have their own gardens, to grow their own food, and to ultimately have a sustainable plot to be able to engage and to take care of their family. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and as we're heading into the Christmas season soon and year-end, you're likely going to be getting lots of requests for supporting organizations that seek to help and serve the poor, both in your own community and around the world. And that's a good thing. And with the pandemic, many communities and nations have been hit hard. But how are these organizations helping the poor? Are they doing more than just immediate relief? Are they empowering the poor, building into their communities to thrive and be independent? Gabe, effectively helping the poor is something that has long been part of the mission of Q. It's a story we talk a lot about around Q Ideas. We have amazing partners that serve these communities all the time, and so many of you are involved in serving them. But this pandemic over the last 18 months has really created more chaos amongst this community. Those who were already suffering are now suffering more. And today we want to talk about what's taking place related to this last year. What are some of the changes that have happened? What can we learn from it? What are some of the frustrations around how we're going to solve some of these problems? And has this set us back? Have we lost years on when we could actually see the light at the end of the tunnel around ending global poverty. Well, I'm going to have with us Jordan Gustafson. He leads church mobilization and partnership efforts at Food for the Hungry. It's a global Christ-centered NGO that works in over 20 plus countries with the vision of seeing all forms of poverty ended through sustainable, holistic community development and disaster relief. Yeah, now this is a great conversation you had with Jordan. And as we listen to this and think about ending poverty globally, there are some great nuggets for us that affect how we work locally, in our communities, dealing with other issues, hunger included. So let's listen. Well, we just love the work you guys have been doing. I mean, 50 years is a long time to faithfully, you know, be pursuing this effort. A lot of change has happened in 50 years. And part of where I think our listeners are going to benefit today is just getting to hear a little more like on the ground what's happening today, because we know the world's changed significantly over the last 18 months. And in many ways, that's affected the most vulnerable. And oftentimes they never have a voice. They don't have a channel to kind of communicate it. And so that's why, Jordan, it was so important to have you today to just give us a little more of perspective on what's happening around the world. So could let's just start there. Like, what's the state of global poverty today, 2021? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think it's the right question that we need to ask so that we would have a deep understanding. I think one of the biggest things is we think about poverty globally and where we're at right now is just this understanding that in how we effectively define poverty will determine the way that we go about solving it. And so for us to have that deep understanding, for us to really begin to lean into the solutions at the end of the day, it's been you know, difficult over the last year and a half because we've seen so many of the global poverty statistics begin to shift. Things have been moving in such a positive direction in regards to the to, to work around global poverty and meeting and not only meeting, but sustaining the needs that we see around the world. And we begin to see that change and, and poverty is moving in a different direction. It's growing. It's not declining. And so uh, as we understand it, we will solve it and we will jump into it. And so I think it's, again, particularly key for us to take a step back and to look at. I think one of the biggest things that we've seen over the course of uh, the last year and a half has just been this this needed shift uh, immediately from uh, development, long-haul development work back into the relief space and how we begin to meet needs specifically that present themselves. And so I know, you know in March 2020, when the pandemic was declared, there was just this immediate need everywhere. Uh, between borders being closed down, uh, people not being able to get from one space to the next, it, it just made things uh, much more difficult to happen on an in-country perspective. And so it began the questions of, one, how do we meet what's there? And then, two, how do we begin to move that into a place where we're able to begin to recover, begin to, to, to seek rehabilitation within specific communal spaces and countries all around the globe that are particularly under the weight of extreme poverty? And how do we begin to not only do things for, but to do things with, and ultimately to continue to transition that to local communities? And so one of the biggest things I would say as we is we're looking at global poverty and the issues that it presents to the world. It is how do we continue to pivot ourselves into a space where the solutions are coming from communities themselves, where solutions are coming from the, the countries in which these issues are particularly happening from. I think if we can begin to move back to the space of localization, we have an opportunity to seek, again, not just the meeting of the moment, but, but really uh, the meaning of it for good, right. uh, while all of this is happening kind of in real time in that sense of that sliding back. So COVID changed things in the sense that your work was mostly ongoing development, and it had to shift quickly back to relief. How do we get people who are starving this week? That's right. Food. And a lot of that's just due to supply lines, people not being able to operate the way that they were used to. Yep. Operating. Any other specific ways that you've seen COVID specifically in the pandemic? disrupt these countries? You guys serve over 20 different countries, yeah. some very large countries on multiple continents. What, what are the consistent themes that you're seeing that we should be aware of? The two biggest things, as we've continued to look at the globe over the course of the last year and a half, have been access to clean water. Um, so again, not only is it available, but is it accessible to the people that are in need of it? And the other is income opportunities. So how are, are jobs being created and opportunities there? So many folks have to travel significant differences to be able to provide for their families. And, and in the midst of this, again, as we've seen such distance and isolation continue to be the reality, what it's done is it's continued to basically cease creating opportunities for individuals. And again, the needs only continue to grow in that space. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, you know, one, the growing food insecurity, absolutely. But so many other things that contribute to that food insecurity, one of which being, again, that economic opportunity and that driver. Yeah, it feels like if the Western countries have suffered a bit in their economies from the pandemic and, and, and I'd, I'd like to say the government response to pandemic, because yep. I think we, we kind of easily go, oh, this is because of COVID or 
it's just like it's just kind of out there. It's like, no, there's actually leaders making decisions based on their response to what is COVID and what is the appropriate response to it. So just to be clear, each of these countries, they have leaders. They're following, obviously, these these larger bodies that have advice and and sort of bring some sense of global authority, even though they don't really carry it. They kind of bring it to these conversations. Uh, it influences a lot of these leaders and their responses can hurt the poorest of the poor more than anybody, right? Because that's right. They're the ones with the least voice, the least agency to be able to make change. They're just kind of suffer under these consequences of of leaders making decisions. And obviously, I think as time goes on, we'll keep looking back and going, "What did we get right? What did we get wrong?" And you can play a lot of armchair quarterback, but but in the work you're doing, it is what it is. That's correct. There are people now that just don't have access, and you're trying to provide it. And I think your strategy that Food for the Hungry takes on is how do we help create resilient communities? Could you talk a little bit more about what does that look like? I mean, what does that look like in South America? What does that look like in East Africa where you have so much of your work to build a resilient community today? What's a vision for that right now? I think the biggest thing is we approach resilience and building resilient communities. Again, as we approached last year and a half, we talk a lot about COVID, right? COVID gets the focus and it should, don't get me wrong in the midst of all of that. But honestly, everything else has continued to happen as well. So we have all of the vulnerable people of the world. And just because of COVID doesn't mean that natural disasters have stopped, doesn't mean that conflict has stopped. In fact, we've seen many increases of that as well across the globe. We've seen that increased food insecurity, which we talked about. There's been so many other challenges outside of COVID and COVID's just been one more thing on top of. And so as we talk about you know resilience and building resilient communities, it's for us having communities be able to be built up in a way where they have the ability to sustain and grow the impact that's happening within their spaces and often and even in our communities here across the U.S. or even in North America. And in the midst of adversity, how do we continue to sustain growth? How do we continue to sustain impact? And how do we, at the end of the day, continue to build up the systems and structures that are needed and focused ultimately in the right direction, being built upon the foundation that Christ has set before us to continue on and to mitigate what could be on the other side of these disasters in which we are, we're living in as it stands. And so a big piece of that, honestly, as it comes back to it, is the development of local leadership. It's the development of people. I think often we, we look at work globally, missions, uh, we look at development work, and it's often, you know, it comes back to projects, and we're focused on doing these things, and we're focused on accomplishing. But the biggest thing that we can be doing is building up people and building up ownership of a specific place and space for them to be able to say, we are able to respond in this moment faster we're able to respond quicker, and at the end of the day, we're able to lead the way forward even when what we've seen in COVID, the inability to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And so, again, it's preparing folks. It's, it's understanding the risks that are and beginning to work in the meantime while you're addressing it to, to lower those immediately, but also to learn in that process for when that returns to be able to know how to lean into that a bit quicker versus figuring out kind of on the spot. It's protecting people. And then it's also, in addition to that, it's equipping them at the end of the day to recover rapidly from those setbacks. And ultimately, again, how do we lock arms? How do we lock our, our step for step, walking in step with the Spirit, to be able to respond well, to walk together, to work together, so it's not I get mine and you get yours, but we collectively are able to press forward, and in the midst of the building up of a community, what can happen on the other side of that? Yeah, I love the focus on local leaders. I mean, that's I think that's the point that we're learning, is your local leadership matters, and whether you're in a village in East Africa, or whether you're in a local city in a Western nation, 
whoever your like town mayor is, whoever your county mayor is, your governor, the, the further we go local, the more that's impacting lives. And there was such a long time where that wasn't the case. You didn't think about it much. That's right. Even if it was the case. What you're describing is the future. It's how are we training up local leaders? Yes. How are we training them up in a world of information and misinformation to know what's true? Yes. To know how to discern. And, you know, I was reading Neil Postman. He has, he has this book called A Bridge to the 18th Century, where he, he talks a lot about our current culture has so much information, but we don't have knowledge. And when we just have information without knowledge, that's very confusing. But yes. beyond knowledge, we need wisdom. That's right. And, and wisdom is something you get from the ancient paths. It, it takes elders in a community. It takes those who've been around the block a bit, who can discern what's going on. And I would say as Christians mm. who have this opportunity to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us like to see some things and the supernatural that's going on. And how are we going to lead and how are we going to respond? And so yes. I think the work Food for the Hungry is doing around the world, I mean, this is the work we got to do in the U.S. now, right? That's right. So it's like, how do we build local networks, local communities, local leaders? We're doing that at Q Ideas. We're We've been pouring into local community leaders since we started our Q Commons effort back in 2014. We have hundreds of cities and leaders around the world who all are on the same page, who are working together to lead and, and help their communities flourish. And, and I just think 2021 is reminding us this is the work we have to get back to. I think you're spot on too, Gabe, too, in the midst of that. I know we have a lot of pastors that are, are listening in as well. And I would say it's the same thing, you know, as we approach, like you said, our own backyard here across the states. And that our, our pastors, our community leaders, they know their community better than anybody else. So they should, right? That's, that's such an important piece of the ministry that we're called to, to, to our own backyard is to be able to lead from that contextual space. And it's the giving that opportunity, extending that opportunity, really seeing the, the, the developing world have the keys to say, we know our context, we know our people, we know what's present and what's not, but we have an idea of how that begins to build its way to, to, to press forward and to transform in the future. Yeah. And so I think it's that spot on, that, that's exactly what it is. But it's helping folks to have also the ability that we have in relationship to help folks feel validated in the knowledge that they have of the space in which God's called them to live and to lead. And I think we have a lot of leaders, especially on the back end of, of what we've been experiencing, or even in the, you know, the midst of what we're experiencing right now across the world, that are looking for that validation and looking to receive the validation of that calling, that God's called you to be here, and you know these people, you know this place, right. and you know the solutions there. And Jordan, that's such an important message, because in, in a world today that's built off of kind of, um, it's, I think it's Alistair McIntyre, in his book, After Virtue, he calls it bureaucratic expert. I forget how he says it, but he, he describes like a world of bureaucracy where we rely on experts for everything to tell us what to do today, to think how to think about this, how to think about that. You yeah. almost lose this sense of empowerment as mm. a human being who God's designed to function in this world. And yes. I'd imagine in these communities that you're working with, you're seeing what that collective wisdom looks like when just a bunch of human beings come together and sit in a circle. That's exactly right. And they talk and they're like, okay, let, we can figure this out. We don't have to wait for the information to come down from on high to tell us how to help sustain our community. God's given us like this amazing palette, right? Yes. Or, or I know in some of your work, talk a little bit about the gardens and the importance of this idea you've mentioned of, of how people grow their impact, sustain and grow their impact. I mean, that comes down to literal food, right? I That's mean, you're, right. You're trying to help these communities not just wait for USID to show up, but to actually know how to build that into their community infrastructure. 
But you're spot on in that. And again, I think it, it comes back down to the this idea we look at, again, global global work specifically from that relief space, the rehabilitation to development. At the end of the day, instead of moving something from point A to point B, what if that can already be built in and present in a specific space, in a community that a family has the opportunity to, one, learn and grow in their skills in the ways that that can support them, not only from a personal perspective, but even from an income perspective later on, but also meet the immediate need that there is from their family. And so one of the biggest things that we've been able to do in the midst of the pandemic has been able to, to, to train and to teach and to provide opportunities for folks to have their own gardens, to grow their own food, and to ultimately have a sustainable plot to be able to engage and to take care of their family and not only their family, but their neighbor and their neighbor's neighbor, neighbor, et cetera. And that ultimately begins to be built across the community. When you see a body of people who have this ability, who have, have again been given, like you mentioned, Gabe, this, this knowledge. And then on top of that, the wisdom in which how to steward it and to use it, because ultimately that's the conversation, right? It's a stewardship conversation. But how do we use this again, not only to meet what's existent, but to help those and serve those around us in building that community and ultimately to provide something that lasts significantly longer than ultimately just, again, one thing that's being given to an individual? What if that thing has the ability to recreate and recreate and recreate? And ultimately that would last significantly longer then hopefully uh, this pandemic will be lasting around our globe as well. Yeah, one of my favorite talks at our recent Culture Summit was called Food as Freedom. Yeah. It, it was a whole talk around this idea of when people have access to food, they have freedom. That's and right. When, we, when you look around the world and you see tyranny or authoritarianism moving in, it's usually on a people that don't have the ability to supply for themselves or to That's sustain right. their way of life. They are, they've become so reliant on their local government or their officials that they don't know how to do that. And I think this is a new lesson for humanity is how do we sustain ourselves and, and who are we relying on and who can we trust? And so who, who would have thought we'd have had a conversation like that five years ago as you were doing all this great development work. But I think this, some things are just becoming more clear for people about how, how do we live? How are we going to survive together? How do we help one another? That's right. um, as you look at this decade and you're in the rooms with a lot of these other humanitarian organizations who are just thinking about you know, the conversation has been for many years, like we can end global poverty. It's, it's within reach. I mean, is that, is that something that as you do your work, you guys are seeing that did, did the pandemic set us back a decade? I mean, I feel like we were, we were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel based on the strategies and, and the good work that so many people are doing to end global poverty. But where, where do we sit now? And did that get adjusted? Yeah, I think we're in the midst of that. <laughs> I, we've definitely been set back, um, as I mentioned, just with, with a number of the goals as we've been looking forward to 2030 and the sustainable development goals of the globe, that things have been moving in a, a negative direction and COVID's definitely set us back significantly. But I would say in the midst of that, there has been significant hope. I think there is an opportunity right now to reapproach again how we are looking at the problem, how we are solving the problem. I think there's an opportunity right now to welcome innovation in a way that I don't think has necessarily been pursued uh, as it is right now. And I think there's a sweetness that comes in the midst of that. One of the things I would say in the midst of that, I know we talk a lot about, again, solutions and people at the end of the day coming together. But the thing that I've been the most blown away by is the hope that I see in all of our brothers and sisters around the world that are living in uh, situations of extreme poverty. Uh, I think, again, as we look at poverty specifically and how we define it, it really, really begins to shift the way that we look at the world. And one of the things I've seen is that even in the midst of COVID and in the midst of difficulty, uh, so much more difficulty than we, I would say we've experienced here, 
is immense hope, is immense possibility to the future, is, is not been a, a, this opportunity to take a step back, but instead to take a step in. And there has been such an openness uh, on a spiritual level to, to seeking Jesus and to receiving Jesus and to beginning to, to address not only felt needs and physical needs of an individual, but at the end of the day, the whole person and how God's designed us to be uh, as his people in the midst of that. And so there's, there's amazing hope. And I think that there are so many solutions that are beginning to come out of, uh, again, communities. And so uh, as I look at the next 10 years, do I think we have a lot of work in front of us? Absolutely. Steps been taken back in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there immense hope? I think there is. And I've seen that uh, really, truly. Uh, personally, with my own eyes and in my own conversations, and it's that hope that that again ultimately will be the thing that that begins to and continues to press forward. And I know as as you know as we look to scripture, specifically Colossians one nineteen and twenty comes to my mind particularly, and it says that you know for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile Himself to all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And at the end of the day, that's our hope. That's what we're in. And God's invited us, right, into an opportunity to join him in the renewal, into that reconciliation. And that happens at a whole person level. And, uh, And this is where we have our hope. This is where it comes from. And this is where we need to continue to urge people to turn in the midst of this moment to say, yes, through this hope, we will see much physical improvement. We will see many physical needs be met. We will see that happen sustainably, and we will continue to press forward. But it is not our hope within that, but it's our hope within Jesus and which fuels it. And that's the key. Yeah. Um, and that's the key for, for every, every, every one of us. Yeah, that's right, Jordan. And thanks for bringing it back to that and just reminding us uh, of how much we can trust that God's in the midst of reconciling us and communities and the whole world to himself. Final thoughts from you as you talk to a mostly Western audience yep. and you work all around the world and you're serving people that many times are not in any time, not enjoying the comforts, the leisure, the types of lifestyles that many in the West have just become so accustomed to. And some of them are struggling because they're seeing that change and they're not sure what the next few years are going to look like. What, what encouragement would you bring to a leader in the West from these different places, these different villages, these different communities who've Learn to live differently, and and in many times with a lot more joy and less mental health issues. I mean, yep. let's be honest. <laughs> no, what, amen. What is it that we need to learn from our neighbors around the world? Yeah, I think so much of it. It's that 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 true joy and the genuine happiness, that joy that we see that comes from from Jesus. Ultimately, is not dependent upon the physical condition. I think one of the one of the things we often say in conversation with folks is that you know often we in the West. We're so poor, all that we have is money. And I think it's so so key. We we always invite folks in ultimately at the end of the day. If you go into a situation and you attempt to see poverty, you attempt to see a lack of material good, you will see it. It will be present. It will be there. But if you go in and you are looking for wealth and you are looking for the riches that are there, my goodness gracious, it far exceeds anything that I've ever experienced in my life here in the, in the U.S. And it's just the reality of it. I think as we look at it particularly, again, Physical goods, 
material possessions. Those are not the things that will buy our happiness. Again, comfort for sure on the other end of it. But relationships are such a, a again, a fuel to life and a fuel to joy. First and foremost, coming from that relationship with Jesus and from our God. And outside of that, then beginning to stem into our brothers and sisters and who God's created in his image, much like he has uh, each one of us. Yeah. I think the other thing that I would, I would say to folks as well, as we begin to jump forward is one, there's never been a better time to lean in. There's never been a better time to jump into the work that God is doing around the world and even in our own backyards as well. And so th- this is our moment. This is our moment as the church, as, as God's people, to be able to jump in and to lean forward. And my encouragement for each and every one of us would be to take an internal would look very deep at the way in which we approach poverty, the way in which we view poverty, and that often we would be able to identify within us that we've had a mistaken focus, a mistaken identity of which our role's in it, a mistaken motivation in how we enter into it. And often that has has leaned itself towards a mistaken response. And we have the opportunity right now in this kind of equalizing moment to name some of that and to begin to shift some of that and to begin to move into places where we can, uh, again, walk hand in hand as, as, at the end of the day, God's community around the globe, and that we would seek collective thriving all around the world. So that, that's my encouragement uh, for everybody. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Jordan. And, and this is your 50-year anniversary, I mean, with Food for the Hungry. And people listening can learn more about them at fh.org, where you can learn how to get involved with them. Uh, what I love is humanitarian organizations that have been around for a long time, because they know the relationships, the network, how to get things done on the ground. And you guys are doing that every day around the world. So keep up the good work. We love you guys. And uh, thanks for offering some great insights to just help us as we navigate this particular year. Thanks so much, Gabe. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed and learned a lot, just like I did, on some of the ways that Jordan is communicating back to us from the field, really. Like, these are the things we need to learn. These are the things we can take away. And so I'd encourage you again, go to fh.org. You can learn so much more about how they're working to end all forms of human poverty. It is their 50-year anniversary, which is so fun and exciting to celebrate institutions that have faithfully done their work this long and for such a time as this. And so we're grateful for them. Yeah, we are definitely grateful for the organization Food for the Hungry. And as we wind down today's show, we have more great talks around battling hunger and offering food security. Gabe mentioned Food as Freedom by Jason Strobel, a.k.a. Dr. Dirt from Convoy of Hope. That and other great talks around this topic are on the Q Media platform at qideas.org. And if you're not a subscriber yet, give it a test drive by requesting a free 30-day trial subscription. Again, learn more at qideas.org. I'm Paul Pro from Faith Radio. Thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. We hope you join us again next week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. 
To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.